Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business, so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. Next, we have 36-year-old Andrew French. After some interesting jobs selling rope to the entertainment industry and providing rigging services to film sets at Pinewood Studios, Andrew felt it was time to get out of London and back to the countryside, just as the pandemic hit. For him, lockdown actually served as a useful time to reset, retrain and redesign his life. Whilst juggling, studying, a number of part-time jobs and his passion for photography, an opportunity presented itself and that's how Andrew started his business. Yellow Tree Studios is a team of creatives that provide website design, search engine optimization, and more recently, wider digital transformation services to small and medium-sized businesses. Andrew tells his story, including lessons he's learned along the way, the important role education has played in his life, and the website-making machine he's got out the back. Happy listening. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Hello, Joe. Thanks for having me. I, um, this is actually my first podcast ever, so I'm really happy to be here. Oh, great. An honour for us as well. Um, it seems like you've had some very interesting jobs before venturing into setting up your own business, including working at film sets at Pinewood Studios, I understand. So I'd love to know what your journey was to Yellow Tree and how, you, how some of those experiences have helped you get to where you are now. Okay, well... Yeah, my journey has been quite a uh, a long and spontaneous one because I never really set out to work in the film industry and move around so much. However, uh, I always enjoyed film. And if I could have ended up anywhere, that, that ticked a lot of boxes. So yeah. how I got there, well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself when I left school. I did try some photography at college for about six to 12 months, but decided it wasn't for me. And from there, I took a job at Land Rover, selling cars for a couple of years. That gave me the, the backbone of my sales education, which was a good one, actually, because I wasn't too sure at the time it, what sales was all about. But I see now it isn't always uh, salespeople out to manipulate people or, or get a profit actually if you're going to buy a high ticket item you want to have someone who's professional who's got a tidy desk who delivers what they say they're going to yeah definitely so I, yeah I think that's the thing isn't it a lot of people sometimes say oh you're a salesperson and it's like actually if you go and buy a house you want a good salesperson so yeah, yeah that was an education for me to learn a bit of pride in what I was doing uh, and I loved selling, I love interacting, I love business, but I didn't feel like I had the business acumen that I needed to, to grow into a managerial role or perhaps own a business myself one day. So I went back to college for a couple of years where I studied business and it was a really important time of my life because I think had I not done that, then I wouldn't have been able to do certainly wouldn't have because they teach you about cash flow forecasts and marketing and so many people I see who want to start a business they can have a great idea but they don't know how to bring it all together so I I really enjoyed that time at college from there I still didn't really know what I wanted to do so I went to a local rope manufacturing company 
that was offering out a field sales role. All right. And they sold into a variety of different markets, uh, everything from blind cord, like for your curtains and blinds in your home, up to offshore and deep water, uh, things like wind turbines uh, and oil rigs. So there was quite a lot of variety, but my job in particular was to get rope into the film industry. Wow. So, really niche, really quite niche. Yeah, it, it was. And it's, as again, it's sort of unexpected and it's always a bit random when I bring up the conversation with people. It's like, you sold rope. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the jobs was to get it into you know entertainment industry and that could be anything from theatre, counterweight systems on stages to what I ended up with, uh, the, the stunt people at Pinewood Studio. They were trying to... Uh, had, well, they needed a rope that could fly people around and we copied a rope from America called Technora which allowed people to pick up maybe a Range Rover or something on a three millimetre diameter. Whoa, so really yeah. strong stuff, a tiny, tiny bit of rope or cord. Yeah, that's it. And over the period of development, I got to meet quite a lot of people in the film industry, one of them being a rigging company who then said, do you want to open up an office in Pinewood doing rigging and what I had been doing. So I said yes, and it was pretty much starting off in a porter cabin. where I, I laid the floor and kind of set up the phones and everything myself. The owner actually lived in Greece. Uh, so although it was a UK company, it gave me a lot of freedom. Quite an entrepreneurial environment then, because it was sort of just you to begin with and yeah, starting everything it. from scratch. Yeah, and I think when you're by yourself, which I was pretty much by myself in that port cabin for a year, you learn to make decisions for yourself. I think when you go to work for companies where you're part of a team, yeah. it's very helpful. You can ask questions. That's but, very true. Yeah, you kind of, um, you, you default to asking questions and you don't learn as quickly. When you've got no one else to ask, you very much, you know, you, you have to learn everything yourself. So that was a good experience. And that decision-making process, I think, helped a lot start up a business because you do have to make your own decisions and fall on your own sword. And it must have been fascinating and, and really fun to be working sort of right next to Pinewood Studios. You must have seen some interesting things. Yeah, well, my office actually in the end was sent in the central part of Pinewood Studios. And wow. uh, it, was, uh, it was quite a big warehouse, to be fair. Uh, but it was very fun. You used to see the different things every day, uh, horses riding around and uh, loads of different actors. It was uh, a really fun place to be. And uh, it felt like a little village because if you needed anything done, you would go to the steel fabricator or the sign maker uh, and you would know them all, you know, having worked with them for so long. So it was good fun. It was very tiring. And sometimes when things went wrong, you were sort of working 24 hours to get things fixed. And it wasn't really an idea of nine to five. Um, yeah. I did take it from a porter cabin to <laughs> a few revenue streams. And I built it up over that eight years to a full size warehouse with staff. I mean, it wasn't loads and loads of staff, but <laughs> it's, it was... Um, you know, it, it was quite an achievement for me. But then what happens is you hit a ceiling like you do yeah. with a lot of jobs. And that entrepreneurial spirit that I had was kind of taken away with just becoming like a branch manager. So all the things I enjoyed, like going in and painting the office and laying in the flooring and all that kind of stuff, setting up the phones, 
you know, hitting the phones, trying to find customers, uh, coming up with new product ranges, etc. That that almost got to the point where it, once it's all set up, you know, like I think in life, um, and they say it, you know, about like certain presidential figures and things like that. Some people like to build things and some people like to maintain things. I certainly enjoy that rush of setting things up. And uh, that's something actually I, I think is uh, kind of carried over onto what I'm doing now with Yellow Tree. So I like it because I get to work with a lot of startup companies right. and a lot of entrepreneurial people. So it's often the case that these business owners are in growth mode and there's lots of problem solving. So it, it was a lovely time working for Rigging Services and that eight year period. I learned a lot and yeah. the people I worked with were great. And Pinewood was great because every day you used to go in there, there was something different. You'd have, you know, uh, like 500 horses walking down the main avenue or something <laughs> like that with characters all dressed up. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a good time in my life. But then also other things as well, like living in London and around that area, I didn't really want to do. I wanted to be out in the countryside. So I, I think I just really hit my peak uh, with it and decided to move on. Um, I took and, a sale. And is that when the pandemic hit as well? Is that the sort of rough time? Well, no, I actually left and I took a sales job um, to get me out of that because the, the film industry was quite niche. I was like, well, where am I going to go from here if it's not film? So I took a, a sales job for a year and I just couldn't get into it. And dare I say, I didn't get on with the manager very well. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I, after a year, I just you know, of driving 200 miles a day for a year, I just thought that, nah, you know, and this isn't what I want to do. So I quit and about a month after moving up to Hereford, the world shut down, we had lockdown. So, um, you know, it was kind of a blessing for me in some respects. Uh, I know it wasn't for everybody, but it, it was like the perfect time that I needed to stop and think about my life and what I wanted. I think and there is a quite a few people that felt like that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I know it was tough for some people, but there were a lot of people who did get to just slow down and look at things and kind of reinvent themselves. And for me, I mean, I, I just, you know, I think when you're living in the fast lane and you're earning X, Y, Z, you've got no hassle stopping off and having two cups of coffee a day and your sandwiches and you're late and you can't get down to the gym in the evening and all that kind of stuff. Where as now, I mean, if you were spending 30 pounds a day doing that, that's 900 pounds. That's like over 10,000 pounds a year spent on coffee and sandwiches to substitute a very fast lifestyle. Um, so it's, when you it's at, shocking, isn't it? When you sum it all up. <laughs> Yeah, and I like to go for a walk maybe in the Morgan Hills and it's £5.50 for parking. But now I'm not, not in a rush. so And I don't sit there and go, I deserve that £5.50 parking. So I actually just park <laughs> on the other side of the road where it's free uh, because you know, I'm not in that frame of mind anymore. Uh, so that's one thing I learned about myself. Uh, did lots of walking in lockdown. So I managed to do catch up with my photography, which I enjoy. I did work during lockdown. I worked at Domino's Pizza and mm -hmm. had a couple of other jobs as well. So um, these were things just to keep me in the loop. And uh, <laughs> that was quite funny because you go back to a, a, a different stage in life. You know, you're working with a lot of people who are maybe younger or, uh, as, you know, also on the same 
path of rediscovering. And, you know, you just have to count your blessings. And that was a fun, fun time in my life as well. And uh, I was also finishing off my marketing degree online. So I had no urgency to go out and I'm glad I had no urgency to go out and get another sales job or go and work so, for somebody. Going back to your marketing degree, when did why did you decide to do that? I actually decided to do that before lockdown kicked in. And I decided to do it because I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. And I'm just a, a big believer in remaining productive. So I could see my working, you know, all the job stuff coming to an end and thinking, okay, well, I don't want to just get a random job somewhere. So if I just take a year out and go back and study, maybe something will come out of it. And actually something did. And that was, you know, it all happened so organically. I got into my photography. I was posting some things on social media. And then someone said, oh, do you think you could put together a website for me? And then I just, after that, I just thought, you know what? If I pick the phone up, and call 100 companies, maybe I'll get another job or two that will keep me going alongside this part-time work and studying. Mm. And after that, I started to look into the software required to make websites, and I made a couple of business partners along the way, and then the rest was history. It's just kind of growing through that and my determination not to work for anybody again. So... I was just going to say, it's a, a, a difficult one. It's just a difficult one making that decision because uh, you do, I mean, I, one of the things I noticed, which I kind of started in lockdown where I started in my early 20s. And in my early 20s, when I was studying then, I was doing a lot of photo editing and I tried to start up a photo editing business then but because yeah. the pressure kicks in to then get a job and pay the bills, you kind of ditch all that initial passion. And although my career has been full of passion and things that I've enjoyed, I just find it funny that, you know, 13 years later or whatever, I almost started with that same inkling of an idea that I did in the first place. But I, I wonder how much of it is now you've got the experience behind you, you can make it work as well. Because that that um, running that company for the aligned to Pinewood that must have helped with where you are now. Do you think it has? Yeah, definitely. And at that time, uh, I was still studying uh, thirteen years ago or so, so I hadn't done finished my business course. I definitely one hundred percent do not think I would have been able to do what I'm doing now with that initial idea thirteen years ago. So, yeah, it, it will happen when the time is right. I believe. And obviously we all have our own, you know, backgrounds and reasons why we can or can't do things. I've got a high pressure job. I've got to pay the bills. I've got a family. I am lucky. I've kept myself kind of where I've moved around a lot and I haven't had, you know, a wife and kids. That's my reason for being able to do this. But I know a lot of people whose partners support them whilst they're trying to start up a business, you know? So yeah. I think, um, and I know a lot of people who have got a lot of money, you know, who still are trying to start up something, but just don't. So with Yellow Tree, for, from that that time where I guess this was in uh, 2020, where you'd picked up one or two businesses through to now, what's sort of the journey? And what, what is now as well? What, what What's it look like at the moment, your company? It's been an interesting journey. I, I don't want to say too much because there was a lot of strategy that went into it. Um, but... Uh, 
we basically started off and we're still catering for small, medium-sized businesses. Although when you've got less experience and you're trying to find your place you you need to find customers that are willing to allow you to learn and take a punt on you which I'm really grateful for because I found quite a few uh, that were very supportive so I stuck with that until and quite often I think with a lot of businesses you you have uh, a slow build up and then you find one company that really takes you to the next level Um, I did have a couple but in particular uh, was a gas utilities company that called me up, family run, and yeah. they wanted a old website converted into something that was more mobile friendly, which I did for them. And amazingly, three months later, the industry that they were working in had changed. So they needed to take a lot of their courses online. And because of that, they wanted a whole, you know, their hundred odd courses that they do all turned into a digital learning platform and the owner uh, said you know Andrew do you want to try this you know see what you can come up with over the next month we did just that is there a beeping noise that you can hear or is that just me yeah I live next door to a farm okay well that's good so is that the tractor kind of reversing or something that's our special website making machine that's in the <laughs> so we they wanted to take all of their classroom courses onto an online training platform which we didn't know if we could do at the time but fortunately because the owner is such a great guy <laughs> um he said do you want to give it a go for a month and just see what you can come up with so we got to work on this online training platform and set up different modules with a bunch of different lessons. They had a login for each class and we built them out of, you know, we, we added videos in there, quizzes, games. We were working literally seven days a week to try and get it fixed and ready. And uh, yeah. that actually launched last week, went out to its first set of customers. And so far it's been a success. Brilliant. So, so we've literally gone from, relatively small portfolio style websites to online training platforms Uh, we've also managed to integrate that with the company internally so their main website has got booking calendars and payment systems on when a customer places an order it then goes through onto an internal crm system that we set up customer relationship management uh, so their staff inside will straight away uh, get the customer details, their purchase history, forecast for the future, manage inventory, that sort of thing. So we digitally transformed their business. And going back to where they were just 18 months ago, they were using a lot of uh, Excel documents, cloud sharing devices. It was all done manually, even their invoicing. Now... Really, I think about five people have been sacked. It's probably my fault, but <laughs> um, no, now it's just streamlined their process, processes and they're really happy with it. So this is my idea for the future, really, to focus on this digital transformation. Uh, we're working a lot with uh, augmented reality at the moment, video making, uh, trying to take the uh, learning management system to the next level so we can... Uh, get certificates sorted out and things like that so it's much more automated 
Um, there's a lot that goes into running a training business and that's really what we want to focus on. I really like the story that it's sort of happenstance but also a bit of strategy. So you kind of put your photos out there right at the beginning. Somebody said, can you do a website? And then you just push your energy forward with the confidence that some, something will emerge, a, a pathway will emerge. So you've got this new customer with a problem. You try and solve that problem and then that sparks a whole snowball effect of other opportunity. It sounds like you have to do a lot of learning <laughs> along the way. Is that is that the case? Yeah, and there's an element of just saying yes and figuring it out afterwards, which I think the right customers appreciate anyway, because their situation is always going to be evolving. So, you know, if they want entrepreneurial people to come up with new ideas a year down the line, then that's where it all starts. People who don't say no often get on quite well in business. I find yeah. it can be a detriment, you know, because I've always been on the sales end of things and, you know, the service teams or the, the factory out the back used to hate me because I always believed that it was sales driven and yeah. uh, we get the order and then we make it, but it puts a lot of stress on the manufacturing. Uh, so when you're doing both effectively, it's a real split between, yes, I'll do it, but then I've got to go and figure out myself how to like, actually build it. And that's been the biggest balance today is getting the business in, but then not overloading myself to produce the stuff as well. And also it profitably as in make some money out of it at the yeah. end. I, I'm a big, I, I love the saying, I know it's from a film, but it's uh, build it and they will come. Uh, yeah. And that's what I just keep in mind. I think a lot of the companies that I've worked for, uh, there were different stages in the process which opened up new doors. I think for the rope manufacturing company, their journey from selling blinds onwards, they ended up getting a big government contract to do all the duct uh, piping in the road system, which grew their business. Um, I know at uh, Rigging Services, when I was there in the Porter cabin, we couldn't always entertain the idea of dealing with Disney or Warner Brothers to invite them around to the Porter cabin. But after three years or so, when we had a warehouse, your self-esteem improves, you know, people start to notice you a little bit more and it gets you to that next level. And I think that's the key with driving, you know, growing a business is it's not just going to be your your plan from the get-go. You know, it's, it is going to evolve and you'll be dealing with bigger clients uh, doing more, you know, as long as you keep learning and, um, that's why I don't think you should. You don't. I don't think you should hold back from just taking that initial step because it's not going to be all laid out on the first day. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that seems to be a big factor in in these interviews, which is just get just make a start. Don't be perfect. Just make a start, and something will happen. Yeah, that's it. And and try and get it so it's not just you know I'll build a website or get a shop. You know you then got to you know cash flow is another really important thing. Like if 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 it takes two years to start or longer for you to get the ball rolling to learn and then try and get that golden opportunity that grows your business, you have to stay in business for as long as possible. And managing your cash flow is such an important part. I really want to go on holiday. But like to go out and spend like two or three thousand pounds could really damage the business at the moment. So I can't do that. And but I do know that it might keep me in business enough for a few more months to to get another opportunity which would take it further. 
Uh, I know you've got other staff as well, but how are you managing your time so that you're not so overwhelmed? I'm not really managing my time to not work. <laughs> so um, I, I am, I'm just working a lot at the moment and uh, I enjoy it. And as yeah. I said before, really, this is my space where for some people it would be really stressful. Yeah. And like, I don't feel stressed because I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I feel like I'm growing. I'll be more stressed if you put me like in an office and get me to do the, the same job every day because yeah. that, that's stress for me. You know, getting up and having something to learn that you're passionate about isn't really stressful. Um, yeah. That, that keeps me going. I love the ducking and diving. I love coming up with solutions for customers. And uh, yeah, there are times where you need to balance it out because you can get a bit obsessive and end up working seven days a week or not being able to say no to... That's what I, I find difficult is saying no to new business. If I get the phone ring, I want to help someone. I really have to just assess that workload and just say, look, we can't do this. We, you know, we don't have the resources at the moment. There is the idea of backing it out, but again, a lot of people want to get things going in the first month of talking to you, don't they? So, um, but that, yeah, I think that's just a part of the business. It's being realistic. We don't want to oversell ourselves and under-deliver. Uh, you know, if we start, if we take on too much business, we're not going to be able to offer people that personal service. And just, I've sort of started this podcast to explore lots of different businesses and how they make money and also barriers to entry. And I suppose this is a website business. It's, you're selling your time, you're selling your expertise. Is there anything else that sort of stops you selling? Like what, what kind of tools and things do you need to run a website business? Do you need to be creative? Do you need uh, to be a creative person? Yeah, I, I think that the barriers to entry are low in a yeah. sense that anyone with a computer and some direction over what software to buy and some creativity could do. Uh, where I am at the moment in terms of finding more staff is creatives are quite difficult, can be quite difficult to manage. Uh, they often don't like to be put into a box. So like, if I need someone to be creative and I need someone to sell, and I need someone to go out and see customers, they don't all fit into that. Some, you know, sometimes people who work on the computer are quite introvert, uh, yeah. so they're not sales orientated. And I think if you're a web designer out there by yourself, it's great, but you need to be able to get business in. So it's not for everybody because like starting up a business by yourself, because if you can't sell, it doesn't matter how good your websites are. So that's the thing. And I think it comes from having a rounded skill set. There's been a lot of times, you know, it is, I, I say that it's not stressful. There have been times over the last like couple of years where it's broken me. Uh, when I was sort of a year into it, all of my websites got hacked, uh, which for me, just I lost time. I lost money. It could have cost me even more. You have to work through it whilst keeping the business running. So but you learn from it. Like now, all of our websites have their own C panels. They've got, you know, backups daily. Uh, so if there was an incident today, we can revert it. And these are the sorts of things that people don't uh, see. Like if you, there's a lot of adverts out on social media say, oh, you can get a cheap website and go through GoDaddy or, you know, there's lots of freelancers out there who offer. But will they be in business six months from now if they're selling it next to nothing? 
Um, probably not. So all the effort you go into making a website and your web designer folds, then you'll have to start again. So to answer your question, the barriers to entry are low, but I think the skills required to build the business are, are, are quite high. Yeah. And then in terms of new customers, is it hard to cost it up? Because it's, well, it's all it's like all services. It's, it's quite hard to say, well, I, I know it's going to take X amount of time. How do you cost up something like that so that you know you're going to make a bit of money? I always have a consultation, an informal consultation with my clients, normally over the phone or on Zoom to get an idea for how much they know about websites, where they are in the growth stage of their business, what they want to achieve. Uh, These things are important to me because working with the right people makes it so much easier. People, I mean, we always look to cater for people who aren't creative or they're non-technical. We love those customers as well. Um, But we have to be able to work together. It's quite a personal process going through and business owners can find it quite stressful if they're trying to run their business and come up with content. So for me, the pricing is to do with about the relationship the period of time that they want to have it built. So if they want a website built in two weeks time, we have to fit that into our agenda, where if it's built over three months, that could be a different story. Then you've got things like the content. So is it, uh, you know, do they have the writing done or do they need a content writer? Because that takes a lot of time. You know, images, how many do they have? Are they, uh, you know, all done on their mobile phone? or we're going to have to look at using stock footage or making things. And uh, there are, you will see, as I said, people out there who are offering websites for next to nothing. But if you're running a serious business, the website can become almost like a core of your business, collecting customer information, advertising, having a level of interactivity with the customer. So all of these things, uh, you get a type of client that knows where they're going and they're willing to pay the money on the flip side if people are just starting out they don't have the budget they don't have the advertising or marketing experience then they might think oh i'll go out and spend 200 pounds on a website so for me it's just getting a feel and understanding exactly for what people want and uh, as you said it's quite a personal relationship which i imagine is sometimes stressful but sometimes really rewarding. I wondered if you had like an anecdote or a story of of a job you did and you went, ah, this is why I'm in it. This is why I'm enjoying it. This was really successful. Yeah, I I think Gastech is, uh, the gas company is the perfect example of that because Steve, who owns the company, who's now in his 60s or so, uh, his son, Phil, is taking over the reins so it's his responsibility and uh you know has been for some time to digitally transform the business and take it to the next level and there was a lot of investment and trust put in myself to deliver that and at times we didn't know because it's exploratory at the same time as the same we don't always know what the client needs day one you know we're still fixing solutions today like we need a deposit system put on there or you know uh, something for quotations so it's evolved as as things have gone on and he did message me a couple of weeks ago and just said like you know you should be proud of what you've done you've 
you've really delivered on this. And he's proud to go back to his father and say that they, you know, they've taken the business to the next level as they planned. That's great. Wonderful. That's great. How do you see Yellow Tree and your training side of it, online training? What would you aspire to in the next sort of five years and your life as well you're living in the countryside you're having a nice a nicer balance than maybe what you had before but um, where do you see everything going if it all yeah I, I I think I, I found my calling in life in terms of uh, work-life balance and I'm not working all the time it does working from home allows you to go out for a walk or down the gym at you know some reasonable time of the day and uh, I actually get up and I work very early sometimes. Uh, so it then allows me time during the day. So that side of it is lovely. Uh, in terms of where I want to take Yellow Tree five years from now is we, we're just going to go more into this digital transformation process, working with companies whose systems are outdated. Uh, there's so much technology coming in now, which we're looking at and I think will come faster than what people think things like AI uh, yeah. which is already here but I don't think small and medium-sized businesses are using it as much as they should be and uh, we've got things like augmented reality which you can start to see companies like Ikea and Gucci placing shoes on people's feet and uh, uh, cutting the uh, sales process down manufacturing process down like we can make things in 3D now before we sell them and deliver them on time where as before you would have had to make a brown sofa, a black sofa, this, that, and and then take photos of them in a the studio. We can cut a lot of that and help people sell at a, a you know, much cheaper price. And, and you mentioned like Gucci and Ikea and the, these big guys getting that uh, access to modern technology or AI and augmented reality but do you think it's possible for small and medium-sized businesses to access that? Yeah I think it will trickle down all of this technology is getting cheaper to implement and at the end of the day if you're not doing it then your competitor probably will Uh, so you know some of these businesses they may be way bigger but they are competing with you so if you're on a high street selling clothes you will still be dealing with the big boys and there are ways that you can implement AI or online marketing definitely uh, by setting up a shop, by you know using that information to make better decisions. And it's starting to, it's already here, it's in the apps that we're using. Uh, so uh, it's just sometimes sitting down and getting someone to come in and have a consultation to say, right, look at our business structure and our, how can we streamline these processes to, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely here now for small to medium sized businesses. Great. And a um, final question is if, if you had a piece of advice for anyone else that was thinking about setting up their own business. I don't know. I, I think that if you, if you are asking people, if you should start up a business, then you're probably not in the right place. I think if you're going to do it, it it takes so much hard work that you have to really know yourself because you'll get people around you who say you can't do it or it's not practical or it's been done before. And I think you just have to listen to yourself 
use the other motivators around you. Like maybe you don't want to work for someone or maybe you you love that market so much that you just have to be a part of it and you have to help change it. Yeah, it, it's really, I, I think when it comes down to advice, everyone's got a different background. I think if you're, if you're going to start a business, you will find a way to do it. So it's good to have advice and ask people's opinions, but ultimately just just do it you know start building it (laughs) thank you thank you very much andrew and all the best for yellow tree studios yeah thank you and Um, all the best for the podcast i think it's a great idea